Welcome to Wellness Realness with Christina Rice. I'm your host, Christina. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner, holistic health coach, and the creator of ChristinaRiceWellness.com, where you can find my blog, recipes, services, programs, and eBooks. In this podcast, I'll be discussing all things related to health and wellness, and I promise to always keep it very real. If you'd like to submit a question or a topic for me to discuss, send it in to podcast at ChristinaRiceWellness.com. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and a review on iTunes, and join the Facebook group, Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe. Hey, 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 when this comes out, where will I be? I'll probably be in Chicago. Right now, as I'm speaking, I'm in LA recording this so that I have my podcast up and ready to go for my next week of traveling. I am going to Indiana and then from Indiana to Chicago. So when this comes out, I will have already been in Indiana and will be moving to Chicago <laughs> to clarify. Gonna visit Addie Martanovic. You guys probably know her as Chickpea in the City. She's been on this podcast far too many times and I'm sure she'll be on again because we'll probably end up podcasting while I visit her. Anyways, today is a really exciting day because if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, then that means that enrollment for the Paleo Women Lifestyle Program has opened. Early bird enrollment is open for today only. Today is going to be $200 off the regular price. $200 off. That's a huge discount. So if you want to take advantage of that sale, today is the day to sign up before the price goes up to regular pricing tomorrow and the rest of the week or until I run out of spots. And this is actually going to be the last time that the group is offered at this price before pricing increases next year in 2019. This is my last group of 2018 and when I run the program again in 2019, I am going to increase the pricing just based on all of the reviews that I've gotten from the women. You get a lot, a lot out of this group program. I've done similar programs before in my past, which is kind of what I modeled this one off of and I paid a lot more money for a lot less content. So that's why I'm really excited to get you guys all of this information. So what is the Paleo Women Lifestyle Program? It is my online course group coaching program. It's now the only way to work with me. I'm not taking any more one-on-one clients right now. So this is the way to work with me if you're interested in doing so. And this program is all about the paleo diet and lifestyle for women or focusing on women's health. And it's this amazing place where you are going to learn everything you need to know in order to optimize your health as a female. I cover literally every aspect of women's health in the context of a paleo template. 
So we go over nutrition, we go over building meals, we go over macros and cooking and grocery shopping and what different ingredients mean and what's the deal with smoothies and are you eating too many nuts and are you eating enough in general and what's the deal with paleo products and then we talk about exercise and sleep and stress management, getting enough sunlight, the importance of all of those things, we discuss personal care products and emotional health. Stress management is a huge piece of this. We talk all about balancing hormones, which is a huge one for a lot of women. That's the most common question I get asked. People ask me, how do I balance hormones? And I go, girl, you got to sign up for my program because I have a whole module about balancing hormones. And there is so much to say about balancing hormones. It's about making this an overall lifestyle. And the really awesome thing is when you look at basically every health issue, whether that be an autoimmune disease, joint pain, a skin condition, acne, mental health issue, stubborn weight, all different health issues, especially chronic ones, in order to address them, it's all the same approach. You have to go back and eat an anti-inflammatory diet and work on these really important lifestyle factors. So whether it's your digestion or your skin or your joints or your brain health or whatever you're trying to focus on, it's always going to come back to the same foundational pieces of information that are really going to change your health. You're always going to have to start in the same place and this program lays out everything you need to know and everything that you should be doing to work on the root cause of all of those issues, which can then turn them around. You'll get hours of video and audio lectures. You'll get downloadable PDFs. You will get access to our private Facebook group where we can all communicate. We talk a lot in there and get to know each other and then live video coaching calls with me and with the other women in the program. So all get to see each other. And those coaching calls are my favorite thing to do. I love being in that group setting, getting to know everybody. It's a lot of fun and I will get to know you. You're going to get as much out of that course as you put into it. So the more you interact in the group, the more you're going to get back, the more you're going to get to know each other. You can make some really lifelong friends. A lot of the ladies have become really close. But also if you're someone who likes to just kind of sit back and watch, that's totally cool too. There are no requirements. You can go along at your own pace. I will pace you out. The official program is five weeks long, but a lot of the ladies take longer than five weeks to work through all the information just because it is a lot of information. And I love the feedback I've been getting from women about how they just didn't realize how much they were going to get out of the program. I think they went into it thinking they're just going to get some good health information. And I think a lot of them were blown away by how much better they felt emotionally and physically. And we really do have a really awesome community. I can't emphasize that enough. So if you've ever felt like you don't have people who get you, we get you. And the group accountability is a key piece a key piece of this, it's one thing, I mean, I can, I can give you a course that's, you can have a ton of information, but it's oftentimes much easier for people to implement it when they have that group accountability and people to talk about it with, and they feel like they're doing it alongside a group, which is why I love the group aspect of it. And of course, I just love to interact with you guys. It's like 
podcasting but talking back with other people so if you've ever wanted to respond to me while you're listening to my podcast this is a great opportunity to do so I designed this course to be excellent for people who are brand new to the paleo diet and lifestyle and people who have been doing it for a long time so I've got a lot of health and nutrition nerds in there too who are still learning a lot and loving it so it is I mean I'm really proud of this course because I feel like it really can help any woman and I really think that every woman I mean I'm biased but I really think every woman needs to join this to really learn all about the paleo diet and lifestyle because it it transformed my life and I know it transformed so many other people's lives and I want to help you get there and I want to help you avoid all of the common health mistakes that I see women making in general. You also aren't even required to be paleo or want to be, honestly. (laughs) There are plenty of ladies in there who just love health and they're not even paleo, but it's fine. There's no judgment in there. I really just want to get you guys some good information because you know how annoyed I get with all of the BS information put out there in the health space. So I get very real in there and I save all of my gold nuggets of information for my very special ladies. And so much of this course is about these lifestyle factors, emotional factors that really make a huge difference in overall health. And when you join the group version, you're getting continuing information always because you're always in the group and you can always ask questions in that group and on the Facebook calls. So I, I mean, it's really a good use of your money. I mean, I think a lot of women don't realize they could go through this course and probably heal most of their issues which is way more cost efficient than working with someone one-on-one for instance my past clients have told me that that program basically was the equivalent of working with me for like three or four months you know so it's an awesome opportunity I really hope you take advantage of it and I'm really excited to get this new group of ladies into the group we start November 5th officially but signups are going to be this week. So today is the day to get that early bird pricing. Never going to be this cheap again. I encourage you to invest in yourself, invest in your health, and then you are going to be motivated to make the changes. I wish I had had an opportunity like this when I was younger and going through things rather than spending so much money on so many programs that just didn't give me the information I wanted or needed slash a lot of one-on-one quote support that I mean gave me no help I saw so many nutritionists and they just gave me a meal plan and walked away they gave me no real skills or information and I was paying $300 for an hour of their time for them to tell me to eat tilapia and salad so that was no fun but yeah you should definitely join this program I am very excited to hear what you think it's going to be a lot of fun so go to bit.ly slash paleo women lifestyle to learn all about my group coaching program so proud of this it's my baby and I would love to have you in the group join the tribe so much fun also check out our Instagram page to see delicious eats and you get to join that insta page when you join the program but Oh, and our Instagram page is Paleo Women Lifestyle Program. So yeah, go so go to bit.ly slash Paleo Women Lifestyle. You can sign up there. Price is going to go up tomorrow. So now is your chance. Take this opportunity. I think now is the perfect time to take this opportunity. 
because we're heading into the holiday season and this is usually the time that people kind of lose their marbles and stress out and you want to have this group support around you and you want to be able to go into the holidays with a balanced mindset and be able to enjoy the holiday season and not stress out about it and I will let you know exactly how to do it. I will be there with you and so will all the other ladies in the group and you're going to go into the holiday season feeling ready to go. So now's the time. I mean, who doesn't want to start 2019 with just like a very clear view of how they want to live their life, who they want to be, all these things. We get deep in there too. We just kind of talk about anything that we're all thinking about. So just putting that out there. So I cannot wait to see ya. If you sign up, it's going to be fun. Just one more week. Yay. And this week is Halloween spooky so Addie and I will probably just get kitsch fix cook food and get no yo froyo apparently they have a pumpkin spice flavor it better still be there when I'm there it's gonna be a lot of fun and of course I have all my travel essentials with me I am okay well I'm not there right now but I have already kind of laid out some of the things I am packing and I of course brought my somni fix my essential oils my tea and reishi, my mushroom elixirs. I also brought a bunch of kaboka squash for Liz <laughs> and some dandy blends that I wanted to get rid of and a bunch of primal kitchen bars to give to Addie and Liz. My heaviest coats and of course my tried and true skincare which includes clear stem you guys have heard me talk about clear stem before it is a product i truly love i use every day and it is unlike any other skincare product i have ever come across i love clear stem skincare because it combines eastern and western medicine approaches and it's a combination of anti-acne meets anti-aging ingredients which means it's really great for everybody the ingredients are all non-toxic, safe, non-pore clogging. So many ingredients and products clog your pores. And you can go to clearstemskincare.com and look at their list of pore clogging ingredients and just see if any of your makeup or skincare has those ingredients in it. But Danielle and Kaylee, who created this product, are acne specialists. They have their own personal history struggling with skin and kind of discovered that the key for them to keeping clear skin was not only lifestyle changes, but getting a good skincare routine that included all of these really nourishing ingredients, things that are backed by science, but also non-toxic. So what are the benefits of clear stem? It can really help to reduce redness and inflammation. It'll calm down your skin, any inflamed breakouts, it also stimulates collagen production and evens out discoloration, which means it's great for any acne scarring or pigmentation in general. It's antibacterial. It helps to block excess oil production and androgens, which not many other products do. And that's one of the reasons why it's so great for people who struggle with acne. It's also just going to help brighten your skin and increase your skin's hydration. 
I love the way this product feels when I put it on my skin because it comes out as sort of a light serum and I've gotten a few emails from you guys asking about how, how I apply it and you really just need a little bit. I know the first time I used it, I used way too much because I didn't realize how little you can get away with. So you just need a little bit and it spreads very easily. You just need a thin layer over your skin. It will soak right in and when it soaks in your skin, I mean... I wake up the next day and my skin is just so soft and hydrated and plump and I hate when hydrating products just make my skin feel greasy and like watery. My skin is combo acne prone more on the oily side and so that's why I love the clear stem because it really does hydrate my skin without making it oily which most products can't do so it's nice and plump and firm and I can just feel like I feel like my my skin just bounces and it's brighter and it's really great for scarring and pigmentation which I still am dealing with from all my acne scars when I had cystic acne when I was in middle school and high school so I love that there is a non-toxic product out there that really addresses this and is targeting it because I I don't know of any other non-toxic product that is specifically made to address acne and reverse scarring and that is a, a stem cell serum that's pretty amazing. I thought that when I switched over to non-toxic nothing would be out there that would target my scarring specifically just because a lot of those products contain really harsh ingredients that I know are pretty toxic to my body but not the clear stem that's why I seriously love it it contains willow herb turmeric vitamin b5 mountain pepper pink grapefruit peel green tea leaf extract clover flower extract aloe vera reishi so many incredibly soothing ingredients in fact, women report that the monthly PMS havoc on their skin is visibly reduced when they use clear stem regularly. So this is a product you got to use every day to get the regular benefits. And active acne and scabs heal about three times faster and dark spots fade a lot more quickly thanks to the collagen stem cells. I recommend cleaning your skin, making sure it's nice and clean, no makeup on it, and then apply the clear stem, let it soak in, it, it dries really quickly, it's a very thin serum, and then you can apply, like if you're going to do a moisturizer or an oil or something else on top or a spot treatment, go for it. You can use it morning and night or just one or the other if you want, but it does go nicely under makeup. You can, it's actually a serum that you can put under makeup. I don't know if you've noticed, but a lot of companies say that their serums or morning serums and then you put it on and it like flakes under your makeup I hate that not this one you can actually use it under the makeup so it's amazing the testimonials are incredible I encourage you to check it out I know a lot of you have already picked it up to help with your acne scarring anti-aging I mean I don't really know anyone who wouldn't love this this product because it really helps with any redness inflammation whatever that might be in your skin so if you want to pick it up you can use my discount code wellness w-e-l-l-n-e-s-s -S, that will get you 15 dollars off you can go to clearstemskincare.com and pick that one up and let me know how it goes when you try it out because i love to hear from you guys so many of you have reached out to me and told me that this product has changed your life and i love hearing that because i seriously love it and you guys know that 
that Kaylee, one of the founders, is one of my very best friends. She's awesome. And I would expect nothing less than an incredible product from her because she knows her stuff. She has a really cool story with acne. Well, not cool, but like a really awesome recovery story, I suppose. Like she had really bad cystic acne and now her skin is beautiful. So she totally gets it. And there's a lot of heart and soul behind it. So definitely check that one out if you're looking for a good skincare product. So I want to hop into some questions that you guys submitted. This is very similar to the way I do things in the Paleo Women Lifestyle Program. They can submit questions, then I answer them. The only difference is in the program, you can respond back to me as I'm talking. It's more of a conversation versus this is basically just me talking to you straight for an hour with no interruptions but I asked you guys what you wanted me to talk about and you sent in some good questions so let's just roll through them I want to get this one out of the way because a lot of people asked me about what my opinion is on microwaving food and great question so I am very I mean, I have strong opinions about a lot of things. Microwaves are one thing that I'm a little on the fence about because I just feel like, I just feel like the science isn't there. And a lot of people might disagree with that. That's okay. But I have researched this a lot, obviously, because I have a microwave and try to figure out if I'm going to die if I use it. No, you won't die. But a lot. I think when, you know, microwaves came out and everyone was like, these are awesome. And then it turned into this whole issue of everyone saying they're unsafe for X, Y, and Z reason. They're destroying our food. They're emitting microwaves and destroying our bodies. And then everyone is demonizing the microwaves. And it went on the other end of the spectrum. Here's the thing. Most of the studies that are showing, quote, Okay, suggesting that microwaves are unsafe. Most of them have been debunked by this point. The science just really isn't that strong. It looks like most of the negative effects on food, it's just the same as any the negative effect of cooking in any way. Like any form of cooking your food is going to destroy some of the nutrients. And obviously the same thing is happening in a microwave. There are actually some studies showing that your food retains more nutrients than other than other cooking methods, which could be a result of you using less water and other factors. But my point is any type of cooking is going to destroy some nutrients in your food. And in general, the healthiest way to cook food is that whole low and slow idea. So at a low heat over a longer period of time. So obviously, when you think about it in that context, microwaving is definitely not ideal because you're cooking at a very high temperature very quickly. So yeah, in that respect, not ideal. But the other argument is with radiation. So people are concerned about the microwave radiation, but I think people forget that the microwave radiation is non-ionizing. It's not ionizing radiation, the kind that's going to cause cancer. So technically, there's no real reason to fear as long as the microwave itself isn't damaged, the door is closing, all of that. That being said, there is some radiation, although it seems to dissipate 
quickly over distances. So, you know, it goes back to the whole thing of stand further away from your microwave. But then the issue is that even though microwave radiation isn't high enough to cause thermal damage, it probably is large enough to cause biological damage, in my opinion. So this has to do with something called voltage-gated calcium channels that are found in cell membranes. And basically, if you care, what happens is once those are activated by the microwaves, those ions stimulate the release of nitric oxide. And then that combines, does some things, eventually leads to the creation of some free radicals, which then can damage our mitochondria and nuclear DNA. And the tissues in the body that have the most voltage-gated calcium channels happen to be the brain and nerve tissue which is bad news bears for trying to protect our brain health. Basically, the issue is the damage to your DNA. So the problem I see with the microwaves is not not the effect on the food itself, but more so it's the same risk that we have when we when we are surrounded in daily life with 4G cellular networks, Wi-Fi routers, computers, tablets, cell phones, all of those things. This technology has an effect on our biology, our DNA, our mitochondria. So it's not the issue of this thermal radiation that people are citing. People say, oh, well, the sun emits radiation as well. The sun isn't damaging your DNA, Thermal radiation is a different issue and also in terms of cooking food, I don't see a microwave as a negative thing in terms of cooking food necessarily. Like People like to say that microwaves will turn your food toxic and I just don't think the science is there from what I've read yet. That doesn't mean that I think microwaves are a good idea for reasons that I I just explained. But it's the same issue with a cell phone. Like, do I think cell phones are good for us to have around stuck to our bodies? No. But this is also the world we live in. So this is my approach to the microwave. First of all, I mean, that's just my information. And then you can decide whatever you want based on that. My suggestion for people is to try not to use a microwave. If you don't need a microwave in your house don't use it. I used to be really dependent on the microwave and used it all the time. And in the past year or so, I switched to heating my food up in the oven. I just turned the oven on and put my food in there for a few minutes and heat it up or just heat it on a skillet. If you want to reheat your food, I would try and do that as often as you can. But if you need to use a microwave, use it. That's kind of my personal approach. I don't really use the microwave that much anymore just because I don't need to. I use it maybe once every few months, kind of like if I want to use it, I'll just use it and it's not a big deal. So if I don't have oven space, I need to heat something up or if I want to poach an egg really quickly, I'll just use the microwave or if I need to heat up water and I don't want to wait for it to heat up over the stove, you know, it's just coming up not that often. So I'll just use the microwave. But at the end of the day, I still have a microwave in my apartment, unfortunately, 
but I also still have a Wi-Fi router and we got to pick and choose our battles. And the other thing is if, if eliminating a microwave makes it so you feel like you can't live a healthy lifestyle, like you can't eat vegetables or reheat food, then use the microwave. I would rather somebody use the microwave for every meal and eat vegetables and healthy proteins and healthy fats like eat a whole food style diet then not use the microwave because they're scared of the microwave and then go out and eat unhealthy foods is how I feel because the microwave can be really helpful like if you need to just make a sweet potato really quickly if you need to poach your eggs I have that those instructions up on my blog very helpful, saved me in college. I used to, I mean, in college, a microwave saved me. I used to cook everything in there because I didn't have a kitchen. I would steam vegetables in the microwave that I got from Trader Joe's. I would cook eggs. I would poach them and I would make scrambled eggs in the microwave because that's all I had. I would cook sweet potatoes in there. I even cooked chicken in the microwave. They have chicken at Trader Joe's where, where the, I mean, the instructions actually say you can put this in the microwave and I would cook chicken like that. And now I'm like, why would I ever do that when I have an oven now? But at the time, that's all I had. And it was better that I did that than going to the dining hall and picking up a sandwich that was just filled with cheese and gluten and was making me sick. So overall, my wreck is that, I mean... Try not to use the microwave if you don't need to. I think it's a good habit to get out of it because if you can eliminate a microwave in your house, that's just one less piece of technology causing issues that's surrounding you and we should be doing every little bit we can to reduce that. But, you know, if you need to use it every once in a while, I really don't think it's that big a deal, honestly. And I just think a lot of the the science about it making the food toxic and this and that is, I mean, if you really look at it, the studies, a lot of them don't really hold up, but I'm more than open to, I kind of like, the thing is I kind of want to hate all microwaves. Like I kind of want, if I'm being honest to be like, they're bad, get rid of them. But I just, I just don't think it's there. So I say just use it if you want to. This comes back to the issue of, you know, I really believe in emulating the way the cavemen lived, like our ancestors lived, but also not totally. Like we live in a modern society and we do have more technology and, you know, there you, you, we should be able to take advantage of some of the items of convenience that we have. I mean, cavemen didn't have ovens either. People aren't hating on on ovens. Microwaves are just, I mean, I don't know. There's definitely something, my instincts are like, this isn't right. Like, it's not right that I can just put this food in in there for three minutes and it's magically cooked. Like, that just seems like cheating, which is that, that instinct. But if I'm just looking at the hard data that we have, it's not totally there yet. It's that instinct that makes me feel like, Okay, let's let's not try and go out of our way to use it, but if you got if you need to, then do it. And I just want to protect my mitochondria, you know? All right, somebody else asked me what my thoughts are on bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. Whoa, big question. But 
My thoughts on bioidentical hormones are that I really don't think they should be the first resort. I think that a lot of doctors just jump to using bioidenticals without trying other methods first or waiting long enough to see if other methods work. I'm all about getting to the root of the dysfunction and sometimes our hormones just need some more time to balance themselves out and I always think it's ideal to just get your body working in its natural rhythm rather than kind of cheating your way through and supplementing with things and giving it those hormones. We want it to produce its own hormones rather than depend on an exogenous source. That being said, bioidentical hormones I think are better than not bioidentical hormones, obviously. <laughs> and I I do think that there is definitely a place for them. I think that there's definitely a use for them. I just don't think that they should be the first resort. I think too many people are jumping to that, but I definitely do think that in in certain cases that there there's a place for them when they're used wisely. I'm not like anti-bioidenticals, but I'm also not like pro-bioidenticals. I'm like, let's try and do everything else. And like, if we if you get to that point, then maybe you need to use them. But I just think that there are other options. I like glandulars um, as a good option if you need to get there. But I do think, I mean, obviously, ideally, you want to get your body producing your hormones naturally and I worry that people use bioidenticals as a crutch instead of making the diet and lifestyle changes necessary to support their natural hormone production and that not everybody does that some people are literally exhausting every option I have a few close friends who use bioidenticals and they really help them and these people like really were making every change possible and they just they needed to go on them and you get to that point sometimes but there there are people who just kind of want to jump to them and they don't want to make the commitment to really change their diet they don't want to make the commitment to change all the personal care products they use or de-stress or reduce their exercise or quit their job if it sucks all of that so I don't like when people use that as a crutch the issue with the bioidenticals is the same concern with with any with supplementing with any type of hormone because you don't want to disrupt the natural feedback mechanisms in the body, the natural hormonal regulation in the body, the natural production. Because the idea is that if you are taking hormones for a certain period of time, your body might become dependent on them and then think, oh, okay, I have this hormone in my system, so I don't need to make it myself. It's gonna it's going to be there and then it will start shutting down that hormone production itself and maybe never turn it back on. And I mean, usually you can turn it back on, but it's usually a pretty hard process. It can take a long time and can give you some nasty symptoms if you're trying to eventually get off of the hormones. So that's why just in general, I recommend not supplementing with hormones if you don't if you don't need to. This is also a reason why, you know, I don't recommend supplementing with melatonin regularly. There's a lot of people who just take melatonin every night. I don't think that's a good idea, but that's a whole other issue. But it's the same idea of like, we don't want our bodies to become dependent on getting hormones from an outside source. 
bioidentical hormones are also interesting because there are different there are different types and some are more likely to cause issues than others and I know it's like different for different practitioners and I mean I obviously don't I I'm not a doctor and I don't prescribe bioidenticals so this is just like what I have seen clients go through and kind of like off of my research and obviously I've seen many doctors too who have suggested things like this to me so all my research and just yeah I don't prescribe any of this anyways but it seems like creams tend to cause more feedback issues than other than other types of hormones because they actually can sometimes accumulate in the fat tissue in the body. So the people just have really high levels of certain hormones. And the other issue is that oftentimes the hormones in the creams are in a free fraction form. So they're not bound in any way. And then the body can't really regulate the levels of those hormones. And then another thing that people are talking about more is that sometimes when a woman is using a cream for instance and then she is you know cuddling with her partner or something and then the the hormone can get onto someone else you know it also depends where you're putting it on your body if that's more or less likely to happen but I know a lot of people recommend sublinguals in that situation but in general I do not like I don't like the shaming of people who use bioidenticals that being said I really do think that people should be not jumping to that I don't like them like I don't like them but sometimes there's a need for it you know it it goes back to this whole and I talked about this you know before I've mentioned this before on the podcast with Becky Campbell about thyroid meds and there's this attitude in the holistic health community where it's kind of gone so far in the other direction almost to where people are shaming people who have to go on medication and there should be no shame in that i think like what we want to do is try and support our body in natural ways as much as possible but like there is a time and place for western medicine and medications and sometimes you need them and there is no shame in taking advantage of the fact that we have advanced science nowadays but it is a problem if you haven't exhausted all of your other resources and actually committed to making a change so for example it would be lazy to just go to bioidenticals rather than signing up for my program and implementing all the advice i gave you for balancing out your hormones just saying (laughs) so those are my thoughts on bioidenticals In the NTA, we learn a lot about glandulars instead of using hormone replacement therapy. And glandulars are extracts from the hormone-producing glands of animals, usually cows. And so they'll have animal glandular tissues. Like So you're going to get something from the animal's thyroid, their thymus, their adrenals. A lot of people see great success with this. I don't have a ton of experience with it. I have seen success with it, but my favorite is just to go the natural way of balancing hormones, eating an anti-inflammatory diet, reducing your phytoestrogen intake, 
reducing exposure to xenoestrogens in general, changing your personal care products, balancing out your stress levels, adjusting your exercise, all of these things, getting rid of the plastics, supporting your body with plenty of healthy fats and healthy proteins to build your hormones, maybe some other herbs depending on what the situation is, and trying all that and giving your body some time and then moving on to something else if none of that works. I just think a lot of people jump the gun with supplements and medications and we got to take a step back and look at root causes and fix the dysfunction because you don't want to be dependent on something anyways your whole life, right? Like why wouldn't you want to just fix the root cause? Somebody also asked, is it worth purchasing non-toxic clean products cleaning products I think even though your family will still use toxic ones yes it's definitely still worth it in my opinion there are always going to be people around us that are using toxic products and you know eating toxic foods whatever we can't let what everybody else is doing around us affect us you still can make every small change you can to better improve your health and the health of people around you and you don't Know if maybe you setting a positive example will eventually influence your family to make a change as well. But any any way to reduce your exposure is better than nothing. So that's like, you know, just because you can't change all of your makeup products or all of your skincare doesn't mean that switching out a few of them isn't going to help, you know. So it's not an all or none thing. And I really do think it's worth investing in that for yourself and using those for yourself. I also got quite a few questions about gaining weight in a healthy way to help repair hormones, increasing appetite when it's dropping or is almost non-existent, and gaining weight when you have gut issues. So a lot of questions about gaining weight, which is actually something we just covered in a recent group call in my Paleo Woman Lifestyle program, but... I do have some good tips for you in terms of gaining weight in a healthy way. And what you need to understand, first of all, is when you're trying to gain weight, sometimes it's not about listening to your body. It's about listening to what your body needs, not necessarily what it's telling you. And what I mean by that is just because you're not hungry, if you need to eat more food, you might need to eat more food. Not everybody is at a place where they can listen to their bodies. You know, people talk about intuitive eating, intuitive exercise, and the truth is not everybody can get there right now. Most people, their bodies are not in a place where they're ready to intuitively eat. That would lead them astray. For example, a lot of underweight women aren't hungry. Their bodies need more food, but their bodies have basically adjusted their appetites to be able to survive off of less food because that's what it's used to and it doesn't want to feel starving all the time it's really stressful so you think you're not hungry even though your body really is hungry and needs more food and that's an example of how listening to your body isn't always the best option so sometimes it is about eating on a schedule when I was getting weight I really just had to get used to the idea of these are my meals this is how I'm eating whether or not I'm hungry I'm eating and thinking of it as a prescription. And this is the advice I give to, well, I've given to all my clients who needed help gaining weight. You're thinking about it not as like, what do I want to eat right now? How much do I want to have? Food is your medicine. So 
sometimes it just means taking it. Like, this is just what you got to take. It's like, you know, when you had to take cough syrup as a child and it was disgusting and you just had to down it because that was just the medicine. It's the same idea. Or if you have to swallow a pill and you hate taking the pill, but that's just the medicine. You just got to grin and bear and do it. Same with eating the food. Except let's change our mindset and be like, whoa, I have an excuse to eat more yummy food. Awesome. Cool. Lucky you. And then there are easier ways to get in more calories. So this is an instance where I think liquid meals can help. So liquid meals, whether it be a soup or smoothies, are a really great way to get in a lot of calories without really realizing it, without feeling overly full. So like when I was trying to gain weight, I was having a smoothie every afternoon as my, quote, snack. It was more like an extra meal that would just get in extra calories. And because it was a liquid, it was easy for me to just drink pretty quickly. And you usually don't realize how many calories are in a smoothie. You can load it up with calories depending how much weight you're trying to gain, how aggressive you're being, what your situation is like in a smoothie you could put some nut milk you put coconut milk in there you can put some nut butter you can use a banana half an avocado you can have some I don't know some berries make a berry smoothie just toss things in there toss in some protein powder you know it's it's fall make a pumpkin spice smoothie put some pumpkin in there or or a sweet potato a cooked sweet potato that's yummy. Pumpkin pie, spice, soup, potato, smoothie, you know. So I think smoothies are a really good tool for you. You can also use fatty teas. So make a tea or, and I just say that because I just automatically don't like caffeine. (laughs) Um, I don't like caffeine and that can also suppress your appetite. So I definitely, and stress your adrenals out, which is not good if you're trying to gain or lose weight. So I would avoid the caffeine. So I'd make a tea or maybe like a mushroom elixir or something. And you could put in some coconut butter, some MCT oil, some ghee. I don't know. Add in some calories that way. And this is the time to make sure you're getting plenty of every macronutrient every meal. Make sure you're getting healthy sources of fat, healthy sources of carbohydrates like starches slash fruit and vegetables and protein with every single meal. Make sure you're cooking everything in a healthy fat. Add some starch. Make sure you're getting a good serving of protein and build your meals like that. And the key with weight gain and kind of sparking your appetite can be to make those hyper palatable food combinations. So this is where combining fat and carbohydrates, fruit and fat can be really helpful and adding a lot of salt, add in some sweetener, add in some honey or some maple syrup. You can also use the sweet and salty trick, which I have used many times. So If you get full off of something and you haven't eaten enough, say you're eating dinner and you know you need to eat more, eat something that is sweet and you'll be hungrier again. And then maybe, or if you have something sweet and you're full and don't want to eat more, then switch to something saltier or more savory. And that can allow you to eat more food. This is a trick people use in like food eating competitions. So say there's a competition to eat a ton of hamburgers and you wanted to win and you felt like you're going to throw up because you ate 50 hamburgers, you would just 
drink a milkshake and you get that sweet taste and then you're ready to eat more hamburgers. So that's a good way to bump up appetite for being a real aggressive. If you're not a snacker, maybe this is a good time to add in snacks and go for things that are calorically dense and easy to eat. So like lower volume, but have a lot of calories. This is where nuts are nuts and seeds are really good to add in because it's easy to grab a few handfuls or just like add some on top of your meals if you don't want to be eating all these snacks. A lot of people find that it's either easier for them to add in snacks throughout the day or or they like just having huge meals. But I mean, there's no right or wrong way to do it. Just you got to get in more food. And this can be a really fun time to experiment like Get my sugar-free dessert book and make all of them. That's just a big book of fat bombs. Those are calorically dense and easy to eat or just any any treats. I don't like the approach of gaining weight off of junk food. I don't think that's doing anything for anyone's health. That's, in my opinion, not a healthy way to gain weight. But I think that gaining weight, like enjoy the process, like bake some new things, make some new meals and just let yourself eat. And if you find that your appetite isn't there, you just need to eat as if it's a prescription. And this is how much you're going to how much food you're going to eat. And eventually your appetite will turn back on because you probably kind of turned it off and trust me, it'll switch back on and don't be alarmed if when it switches back on, you feel like a ravenous beast because this is normal for people and it kind of, you know, they're not really hungry. And then a few weeks into just eating a lot more food, all of a sudden they wake up and they're like, I cannot eat enough food. Like I'm starving all day, no matter how much I eat, I feel like I am just ravenous all the time. This is totally normal. It's your body trying to catch up. Eat the food. Your appetite is turning back on. Your body is realizing, oh my gosh, I'm getting food now. So it's trying to tell you to eat all the things because it thinks you're going to starve it again. So just let your body, let your body eat the food. And then going off of that, it's really important though to make sure that you're absorbing your food. So if you still have an underlying gut issue, then you might not be able to put on any weight. So it's really important to make sure you are working to heal that underlying issue, whether that be a leaky gut, dysbiosis, any, I don't know, SIBO, parasite, whatever is going on. If you have a gut issue, if anything causing malabsorption, if you have celiac that's undiagnosed, then, you know, you've got to get to that root problem because otherwise your body won't be able to digest absorb food and then you won't be able to put on weight anyway so you've got to make sure you're supporting that as well in addition to supporting hormones so if you have a thyroid imbalance for instance this can affect your weight you might find that you can't put on weight no matter what you do if you have hyperthyroidism for instance or graves so you'd want to be working on that and no matter what make sure you're focusing on stress reduction because there's a good population of people who cannot put on healthy weight if they are stressed out. Being stressed out can cause weight gain in some people and other people's makes them just lose a lot of weight. So you don't want to be doing that either. Your body your body is not going to be able to do what it needs to do with your food if it is highly stressed. I also think you should not do any cardio at all. If you are relatively healthy and trying to put on muscle, 
then lift some weights, lift some heavy weights. Good to go. I love my maps in a Bollock program or maps anywhere. Those are awesome programs. My discount code wellness gives you 10% off, but lift, do some resistance training. But if you are like very underweight and you know, your body is in a very stressed out state, then you probably don't want to be doing any exercise. It just depends where you are in your health journey. And then in terms of increasing calories, I usually recommend increasing by one to 200 a week, one to 200 calories a week and going up from there. Or you can go gung-ho and go all in unless you are severely underweight. Like if you are struggling with an eating disorder and very, very underweight, that is not safe to gain weight too quickly. You can struggle with refeeding syndrome, which is very serious. It can lead to coma or even death if you are refeeding too quickly, which is why if you are severely malnourished, it's really important to gain weight with the health of a practitioner to make sure you're doing it safely. There are a lot of nuances to this. But if you are somebody who's kind of like at, at what you would say an average weight and you just want to gain weight um, or maybe you have amenorrhea and just want to go all in and want to increase your calories by more than that at once, then I mean, it's probably a faster way to get your period back if you're already in a healthy spot. But if you are not at a, an otherwise, you know, if you're malnourished, it's more serious. If you're underweight, um, I don't recommend just increasing your calories by a ton at once because that can be actually dangerous if your electrolytes get too imbalanced it can cause issues with your brain so be careful of that but just in general I think I like the one to 200 increase a week situation slow and steady wins the race Okay, someone asked, what cooking tools do you recommend and which ones should we avoid what you should avoid nonstick pans what you should get cast iron pans or ceramic or stainless steel. I like Ceramcore, um, but I love my cast iron skillets. I also highly recommend the Instant Pot. That's like my number one kitchen gadget that you need. And a nice set of knives, very helpful. Those are my top kitchen tools. I'm trying to think of anything else. I mean, those are just the essentials. There are other things that I wish I had, like I wish I had an air fryer. <laughs> And I wish I had a smoker, but you, you know, you can't have it all. So my top kitchen gadget is by far an instant pot. Other than that, some good pans invest in the cast iron skillet and the stainless steel or ceramic. It's worth it. Okay. Someone said on my podcast with Dr. Lekos, he recommended taking glutenza when eating out because you're so likely to accidentally eat gluten. Do I agree with that? She has some pretty serious allergies and usually takes activated charcoal when eating out just to be safe. What are your thoughts on doing this? Um, I kind of disagree with Dr. Lucas when he says that every time you eat out, you're going to be exposed to gluten. I think it depends where you eat out in the situation. I do think it's, it's more likely to be exposed to things, obviously, and people should be more careful, especially depending on the severity of your allergies. I like the idea of what, that what he said, taking the glutenza or gluten ease, or you could do a product called Gluten Guardian. I've heard Ben Greenfield talk about. I haven't personally tried it, but I've looked it up and it seems pretty legit. So those are options. I tend to usually keep gluten 
ease in my bag and use that. And then the charcoal idea. Okay, here's the thing with the charcoal. If I get glutened, I'll use charcoal. I think that that can be helpful. It binds toxins in the body. It can help you clear things out. Um, my issue is I feel like like charcoal isn't wasn't meant for that. I feel like in the you know, I think of charcoal more as like something that's going to help you bind up toxins, bind or like mop things up after you do some type of antimicrobial protocol or something along those lines. And then we've kind of twisted it. So now we use it to handle situations when we eat things we're intolerant to, which is, I guess, a crafty, cool way to use it now. But I worry that people are overusing it and then just thinking, oh, I can just depend on my charcoal. I think that the charcoal should be used as kind of an emergency only situation. I like if you know you got glutened, then I would take it. I don't really like the idea of just taking it every time you eat out personally versus something like the glutenza or the glutenese. I wouldn't have an issue with. I feel like the charcoal would be something you would take when you know you ate something that you're intolerant to, if that makes sense. So that's my thing with the charcoal. If you take too much of it, it can really disrupt the digestive system. It can cause some major constipation. If you do take activated charcoal, make sure that you really increase your water intake. And also remember that it's going to bind other nutrients as well. So not just the specific gluten. So not it's not just going after gluten. Specifically, it's everything. So that's why, you know, I think people can overdo it with the charcoal. And I know the person who asked this and she does not use it for this purpose, obviously. But, you know, charcoal helps a lot with things like hangovers. And I know people now just use it as a way to sort of get out of drinking. I used to do... I used to use it in college and my friends would ask me for it and because they just thought, oh, I can just drink as much as I want and I'll just take charcoal and no big deal. No, 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 no. And the person asking this question I know is that's not at all how she uses it, <laughs> but I just wanted to bring it up because I do see people overdoing the charcoal for sure. And then also, if you're just taking it every single time you eat out, then remember that it is binding all of the other nutrients that were in your food as well, not just toxins. So I would keep the charcoal for suspicious meals specifically. Hopefully that makes sense. And I know other people are a bit more liberal about it and just say that there's no ill effects of taking it all the time, but I just don't think charcoal should be taken all the time. Like to me, I don't know. It's really useful in gut protocols though at the end. Just putting that out there. So I don't think you should depend on it. But if you feel like you might have gotten glutened after, yeah, I think it could help. I think that I would arm yourself with the glutenese or the glutenza or the gluten guardian or something like that to deal with the gluten specifically. And also, again, so much of it has to do with how much you're eating out. So if you're somebody who doesn't eat out very often and then you're taking the charcoal every time you eat out, probably wouldn't be as big a deal as somebody if you're eating out every week every like a few times a week that's a lot of charcoal to be taking kind of for no reason so that is that's the difference there but I do think it's dumb af that people are putting charcoal in all these food products like that doesn't make any sense 
it's literally negating the purpose of eating the food, but whatever. I digress. Okay. Let's wrap it up with one last one. I got actually a lot of really good questions kind of about relationships, lifestyle things. And I kind of want the next episode to be all about that rather than, you know, more technical information. But I, I like this question. So she asked me to talk more about life outside physical wellness. And she said, how do you choose your friends, even bloggers, wisely? It's a loaded question. A really excellent question because it took me a long time to figure that out. I keep my friend circle small, I would say, in the sense that I feel like I'm really close with just a small number of people, but I wanted to say special because I I just am very particular about who I want to be spending a lot of time with and who I want to just be opening myself up to all the time. So I do have a lot of friends, but I would say the people that I am communicating with most and investing most of my time in is smaller than other people. Maybe I just, I, I like having just a core solid group of friends that I know I can always turn to. Anyone who is my friend knows that I am a fiercely loyal friend. I would fight to the death for any of my friends. My friends are like family to me. And I pour my heart and soul into every friendship that I have. And in the past, that got me into a lot of trouble when people didn't reciprocate that type of friendship. And I think a lot of us have had that experience. Most of us probably have had that experience where you just feel like you're trying your best to be a great friend and it's not getting sent back to you. There are a few ways I figured out now who I want to be friends with. (laughs) And one is if they are going to be the same type of friend to me as I am to them. If I don't feel like it's 50-50, if they're not meeting me halfway, I just am not interested. I really value my time and my energy and how much love I have to give friends. And, you know, I, I don't have time to waste investing in somebody who's not going to reciprocate back and be the same type of friend to me as I am to them. And it might sound harsh, but I'm just not really somebody who offers a ton of second chances. Like if someone lets me down, I mean, maybe once, fine, but twice, definitely, you know, I don't, I don't have hard feelings, but it's just kind of like, okay, now I know what's happening. So I don't really want to invest more into this. That's fine. They're not a bad person, but that's just not the right relationship for me to invest in. I spent a lot of time being friends with people who I thought I should want to be friends with rather than people I really actually wanted to be friends with, if that makes sense. And I look back on a lot of friendships and in a lot of friendships, there was always, I had to have some type of wall up. I had to, you know, be careful about what I said regarding certain topics in case I upset this person or I didn't want them to know because I didn't trust them. Trust was a big issue with me for a lot of friendships in my life. I, especially just with women, I, I had a, I had a hard time with friendships because I just felt like I couldn't trust other women. I felt like 
people wanted to tear me down and anytime I would talk about something that I wanted or an idea I had, somebody would steal it from me or put down what I was saying. And I, I mean, it took me a long time to realize that anyone who I felt like I couldn't fully trust, anybody who felt like I had to hedge what I said or not be myself completely was somebody who I just don't need in my life. And I used to think that it was a bad thing to not want to be friends with certain people, but then I decided that that's not true at all. Not everyone is for everybody. Not everybody that you meet is meant to be your BFF and you're not meant to be everybody's BFF. And sometimes you just vibe with people and sometimes you don't. And I think figuring out what I want in friendship, being very clear on that allows me to figure out if the person sitting in front of me has those qualities or not. And I also just listen to my intuition I can tell very easily, usually within the first few minutes of meeting somebody or even before that, I can just tell if there's someone I trust and I vibe with and I relate to. I just can tell pretty instantaneously whether or not I like somebody or not. And I've learned that I best off when I just trust that initial instinct. And I think that everybody has that underlying instinct, just not everybody has tapped into it or not everybody knows how to listen to it. And that's just kind of like, that's a primal instinct, truly, to be able to know whether or not you can trust somebody in front of you and if you want that person in your pack, so to speak. In a friend, I really look for somebody who's truly genuine. I don't like when people are different ways around different people. I don't like anybody who lies. I don't like when people try to be someone they're not. And I also, I don't like to be friends with people who I feel like are incredibly insecure because, you know, it can't turn into somebody needing validation all the time. I'm really drawn to people who I feel like are really confident and know themselves and love themselves. If I feel like somebody constantly needs my validation, I don't think it's the right friendship for me just because that's the type of person I am is I don't want to feel like I'm my friend's babysitter or their mom or I don't know. I just want to feel like I'm their friend and it can be emotionally exhausting when people complain all the time or always are fishing for compliments or things like that. That's just like not, I just, I just don't like to engage in that. And the conversation doesn't go very far. So I need to be able to talk to somebody about topics beyond how they're feeling insecure about X, Y, or Z. Like that's totally fine. Every once in a while, we all have those moments and that is Uh, that is a good quality in friendship to be able to open up and like talk about your insecurities. I actually do look for that. Like somebody who's vulnerable with me. If someone is vulnerable with me very early on, I'm immediately very much want to be their friend. I really, really like that quality in a person, somebody who's vulnerable. And I do think that's a sign of a good friendship when you can be my cheerleader when I need you to be, and I can be yours when you need me to be. Like, good friends are there for each other when you're feeling down and like crap and you bring the other one up but just not when that's the only thing that's happening just all the time is people being down and needing to be brought up you know 
but I like to be able to talk to people about literally any topic. So we should be able to go deep or light or whatever. And that is what I look for in a friend. And I, I look for people who are really hardworking and driven. I really like motivated people and people who have their own thing. Again, I think that just goes back to understanding yourself and knowing yourself. And one other thing that I am definitely on the lookout for, especially now with social media and since this person brought up bloggers and the question, I I am a little wary and if I ever feel like somebody is just trying to use me or I feel like they're not trying to be my friend because they like me, if I feel like they're just trying to take advantage of connections I have or they just want to, I don't know, use me in some way, then obviously I don't really want to engage in that and I feel like my radar is definitely on for that just because I've been burned in the past by people who I thought wanted to be my friend and they were just trying to get to something else. They had another reason for trying to get close with me and now I am extra wary of it and I do I do put up a wall sometimes because I don't want that to happen to me again. So yeah, I mean, I could talk about this for a while, but all of my friends are people who are confident in themselves, who have had a journey, who are figuring out their purpose if they don't already know it, who believe in something greater than themselves, who can crack a good joke, have a great sense of humor, but also know how to keep it serious, who are vulnerable and honest with me and who I can completely trust 100%. I have no doubt in my mind that I could trust them. I never want to feel like I never want to feel like I can't share something with one of my friends. And most of all, all my friends are incredibly supportive of me and I feel really grateful to have that. And it took me a long time to find a group of friends who I felt like weren't supportive. I have no time for any of that catty, competitive nonsense that people are like. I see this all the time, people I'm around. I'm like, okay, we can't be friends because you're just, you're competitive all the time. I don't have time for this. Like there is enough space for everybody. So that's what I look for in a friend. And, you know, that's it's the same she asked with bloggers, it's same with bloggers and not bloggers. I mean, everyone's just a person. So those are basically the qualities I look for in someone. And the last thing is I really, really always want to be friends with someone who I feel like I can learn something from. And that's, it's, I use that term broadly, like, so learning anything from, so sometimes Somebody can teach me about myself, about the world. Maybe they're well-traveled or they understand relationships a lot or maybe they know a lot about, I don't know, some random topic that I know nothing about or they just understand the world in a really different way. So somebody who I'm learning from some way or another, that is a really important quality to me in a friend. If I feel like I'm not improving when spending time with that person like I'm not bettering myself as a human in spending time with that person if I ever feel like I'm I'm just wasting time (laughs) there's no point being there that could even just be like having fun like even having mindless fun to me is bettering myself improving myself as a human because I need that social interaction as a person um you know I want to make sure that I am I am spending time with people who are positive 
and helping me improve every day because we can all improve every day. I have a deep respect and admiration for every single one of my friends. So that's important to me that every person that I'm friends with, if you ask me, oh, what do you respect about that person? What do you admire about her or him? I can tell you right then. There's always something that I really admire about every single one of my friends and that's why I'm friends with them. So those are qualities that I look for in friendships and it took me a long time to be able to recognize that it was okay to say you know I don't want to be friends with that person that doesn't mean they're a bad person they're just not for me and also you know to be okay with the fact that I don't need a lot of friends I like quality over quantity And just want people in my life who support me and lift me up. And I feel really grateful that I have found a lot of friends who do that. And honestly, I think that the way I have found such great friends is by being vulnerable myself and opening up to people. Because when I open up to people, I can see how they respond. And then I can tell very quickly whether or not we will get along long term. So I just, I had to show my true self to find true friends. Simple as that. And I think a lot of people can't find a solid group of friends because they're not fully opening themselves up to other people. Maybe they're not totally showing their personality off. Maybe they're just holding back in some way. And I think that does hold you back from finding people. So I'm going to end with that. I hope you guys enjoy this q and I will do another one soon. Don't forget that today is the only day for early word pricing for my Paleo Woman Lifestyle Program. If you like Q&As like this and wish you were talking back and forth with me, then sign up for the group program. It's an incredible program. Five weeks long in quotes, but really lasts a long time. You'll get a ton of health, nutrition, wellness information, everything you need to know about living a healthy lifestyle as a woman i'm going to give you information specifically for women's health because so much of the info out there is really targeted towards men things have been tested on men so it's a great community you will meet your tribe that's a great way to find awesome friends is by joining the group so you can go to my website under courses or bit.ly slash paleo women lifestyle enroll there tomorrow the price will bump up so i highly recommend signing up today but if you don't you can sign up tomorrow too or later on in the week sign ups will definitely be completely closed by november 3rd at the latest so i hope you enjoy your halloween i hope you watch halloween town because it's the best and I'm going to enjoy my time in Chicago and can't wait to chat again soon. All right, that's it for this episode and I'll talk to you again next time. Bye.